BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, 63 days, the most important midterm elections in our lifetime. I'm not sure most people understand the urgency of these midterms and what it means. You know, just as we're coming on the air here, if you don't get it, you should soon get it because uh, Chuck Schumer's actually saying it. It just so happens in a video posted on YouTube by a constituent, you can hear the uh, constituent asking Chucky Schumer, when are you going to impeach Trump? Anyway, it was at a Labor Day parade, and uh, he answers, the sooner the better. Let's play it. It's a little hard to hear, but it's, it's real. That's them. That's what their agenda is in 63 days. Here's what he says. Sooner the better. Sooner the better. And the constituent pushed back at Schumer saying that he not answered the question. And he goes, well, we got to get a few Republicans on our side. He said the Democrats are on your side. And uh, let's listen to that. No, we don't have that part. The audio's bad on that. All right. Anyway, so he's saying he wants to. But that's what the election's about in 63 days. That's it. Anyway, I hope you had a good Labor Day weekend. Uh, it's going to be a very intense run. We saw the hearings today and and total planned chaos break out in the Kavanaugh hearings. Uh, Before we get to some of what went on here, if you caught any of this, what you saw is a a typical radical left wing spectacle. And I told you it didn't matter who Donald Trump picked. This was going to be the actions of the Democrats. The only reason you're going to get some Democrats to vote for Kavanaugh is because they come from red Trump states like Manchin in West Virginia is never going to win his Senate seat back. So what you have is 
I would call it an election year conversion. You'll probably get the same thing Claire McCaskill is fighting for her life. Let's see what Bill Nelson down in Florida does, or Donnelly in Indiana does, or Heidi Heitkamp in North Dakota does. All these people are now fighting for their lives, and they should be defeated if we can get people to understand the magnitude and the importance of the midterm election. And it's really this simple. Chuck Schumer, this is what they say behind closed doors. This is what they want to do. This is what we've heard over and over again from Maxine Waters and others. Impeach 45, impeach 45. They've wanted to impeach him before he was elected. As if it wasn't bad enough, we have a lot of deep state news that we've got to share with you. I think the most significant development since this entire investigation of ours has started, and that relates to uh, Bruce Orr, the fourth-ranking official at the DOJ, we now know was keeping Mueller's team, Mueller's pit bull, a guy we've talked an awful lot about, Andrew Weissman, in the loop about the Steele dossier that Steele himself doesn't even believe in. Anyway, so if you watch this morning, it all started out, the Senate Judiciary Committee chairman, Charles Grassley, literally it was impossible for him to complete his opening sentence and what we now know was planned and plotted and schemed ahead of time, and Democrats begin interrupting him, trying to hijack the hearings. You know, he'd rule out Camila Harris, and he'd, she'd be out of order, and then, like clockwork, in comes Richard Blumenthal, and he'd start in. When Blumenthal would shut up, Grassley would attempt to restart the hearing, and then Cory Booker would chime in. And as all of this was going on, you had all these left-wing Democratic radical groups were in the gallery— constantly shouting, constantly interrupting, and it was all orchestrated. And, you know, for some really strange, outrageous reason, in the past, security, once somebody stepped up, they were taken out of the room, and they wouldn't be allowed to disrupt the hearing. That didn't happen this time. They should have kicked these people out a lot sooner. And anyway, I was kind of disappointed a little bit in Grassley. I think he should have ordered the gallery to be cleared of any of these people that were disruptive of these hearings. I mean, for this guy not to be able to finish a sentence, I was watching poor Orrin Hatch. How many, what, this is his 15th Supreme Court confirmation hearing. Anyway, he's trying to make complete a sentence and they wouldn't let him. John Cornyn had it right when he compared what was going on to, quote, mob rule. But the icing on the cake is that all of this, the entire charade, this was reported by Breitbart earlier today that Dick Durbin admitted in the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on the nomination of Kavanaugh that he and other Democrats participated in a conference call on how to disrupt the hearings. And Durbin was responding to a question by Senator Tom Tillis, North Carolina, who cited an NBC News tweet from earlier in the morning that reported that Senate Democrats had planned over the Labor Day weekend that they were going to use this technique these tactics protests interruptions anyway nbc's casey hunt had tweeted out democrats plotted coordinated protest strategy over the holiday weekend they all agreed to disrupt and protest the hearing democratic leader chucky schumer led a phone call and the committee members are now executing it and nbc news confirmed the plot with its politics division tweeting democratic senators open kavanaugh confirmation hearing with a protest plan that was coordinated and agreed to over the weekend, according to p- people familiar with all the planning. So Senator Tillis says, I just want to be clear that not a, none of the members on this committee participated in that phone call 
or that strategy before the documents were released. Are you suggesting that this allegation is false? Dick Durbin, well, he was asked to respond, but merely deflected the issue on whether the committee had been provided enough documents on Kavanaugh, which is an issue I'll respond to in a minute. He's given more documents than the last five Supreme Court nominees combined. We did eventually get 22 protesters that were arrested uh, at the Brent Kavanaugh confirmation in, in just in the morning session alone. And I don't think we had 22 arrests in the entire history, by the way, of the Tea Party. I don't know if that's true. I'm just guessing. But Democrats on the they seem to, you know, this, this is what the Democratic Party has evolved into. It doesn't surprise me Chuck Schumer's on tape saying can't be soon enough to impeach Trump. Sooner the better. I mean, it got so bad at the hearings. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of watching, you know, Trump supporters being chased out of one venue after another. You know, of course, we have the new rules, which are get in their faces. Actually, that rule started with Obama. He had said, get in their faces. I'll send Mr. Burgess to take on Sean Hannity. He'll tear him up. Maybe I should have sued. Maybe that was a threat on my safety. I don't know. Maybe I interpreted it the wrong way at the time. Maybe I was being too gracious, too nice to Barack Obama. Uh, But these Democrats have a penchant, you know, as it relates to this. I mean, look at, you know, Betsy DeVos was chased down a street by screaming Democrats. Secretary Kristen Nielsen, Sarah Sanders run out of restaurants by Democrats. Ivanka Trump harassed on an airplane by a belligerent uh, Democrat. Pam Bondi threatened with physical violence by you know, these these left wing lunatics, Peter Fonda suggesting, you know, oh, it'd be a good idea to assault Secretary Nielsen. Ivanka Trump you called the C word by a psychotic Democratic so-called comedian. Brent Kavanaugh's two daughters today had to be escorted out of the confirmation hearing with all of these protesters and the screaming and the antics and the tactics that was all planned and plotted. Now, I'm sure the Democrats are proud of themselves that they got to run, you know, two little kids out of a confirmation hearing today. Isn't that nice? Let's move the children out. It's not safe, as the Democrats put on their show. Anyway, they just sought to delay this for no real reason. But I, it, it does offer a snapshot of what the American left, vis-a-vis the liberal Democratic Party, looks like today. And, you know, you give them back their power, what are you going to get? Well, you're not going to continue the economic success we've had. And they've, you know, Chuck Schumer telegraphed it well. Chuck Schumer is saying what all Democrats are saying. The sooner the better. That's what they've always wanted. It's not working for them. But what do we got? We got four million new jobs for Americans in less than two years. We've got two million fewer Americans on food stamps. Millions of Americans out of poverty. We got record low unemployment in 14 states. We have a 51-year low, record low unemployment for youth in America. That's good because if kids don't have a summer job, what are they doing? They're getting in trouble with the dopey friends. We have record low unemployment for African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workforce. All of that comes to a halt because the agenda in 63 days should Nancy Pelosi, who apparently was out in the Hamptons, with Chuck Schumer and George Stephanopoulos and whatever that Hamptons crowd is. I I didn't get my invitation. And I live in Long Island. I wasn't even invited. I'm shocked. Apparently, she's, you know, already already out there. She's literally picking out the drapes for her new office. 
And, you know, but we have a poll that shows a majority of blue collar workers think they're better off under Trump than Obama. And they are. You've got the Democratic governor, uh, gubernatorial candidate, the Tallahassee mayor, bragging on Meet the Press that he got all his money from George Soros and some guy, Tom Steyer, all these left wing radicals that have their agenda. What about the people of Florida's agenda? I mean, really? What about the forgotten men and women that 2016 was about? If you don't vote, this is what you get. The midterms, apparently out in the Hamptons this weekend, I can't believe I was not given my invitation. But Chuck Schumer was there. Nancy Pelosi was there. Oprah Winfrey was there. George Stephanopoulos, Katie Couric, Savannah Guthrie, Joy Behar were there. Joy Les Behar. I don't know how it's possible that I was not given an invitation. It wasn't even far. I could have driven out in a couple of hours. I could have been there. Instead, I was fishing for snappers and, you know, in Oyster Bay Sound. Oh, I got pictures. Oh, I caught it. Just threw out. Just simple. Yeah, just little, just little baby snappers. I mean, it's fun to catch them. At least I catch a fish. I get to say I caught one. I'm not the fisherman that Ethan is. He's a fisherman nut. But I like to get little tips and clues and I... Noticed I got sunburn? Yeah. Oh, where do you think that came from? Sitting out there in the sun, roasting, waiting for a fish. It's Trump's fault. Of course it's Trump's fault. The sun shines, it rains, it snows. It's all Trump's fault. Dog bites, the bee sings, you're feeling sad. It's all Trump's fault. Um, Anyway, so they had all these people there. Um, Apparently also Martha Stewart was there. Bob Kraft was there. Oprah Winfrey, as I said, at the soiree. And um, I'm sure they all talked about those of us that are smelly Walmart people, as uh, Peter Strzok refers to us, or irredeemable deplorables, or those that cling to our God, guns, and and Bibles and religion people. You know, guilty as charged. A lot at stake in 63 days. What are you going to do? How many of you are registered? How many of you are going to take the time, get off your ass, and go out and vote because you know what's at stake here? I don't feel the urgency yet. From conservatives, because all progress is going to stop. Investigations galore. They, they'll take back their crumbs that they're obsessed with getting back. They'll get rid of ICE, open borders, keep Obamacare, and impeach the president. And endless investigations, except into the deep state. Those investigations will go away because that protects their deep state friends that help them. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free television. So it was all planned and plotted in advance to be belligerent and shriek and hecklers and Democrats and not let anybody finish a sentence and a Schumer plot, whatever. 44 Democratic interruptions in the first 40 minutes and why the room wasn't cleared, I don't know. Uh, Other breaking news, by the way, the governor of uh, Arizona has chosen John Kyle to complete McCain's term and you know he's been there he knows how to do it he's not running for re-election and then I probably a good choice by the governor we'll see how John Kyle feels about Judge Kavanaugh we'll see how he feels about Obamacare if that vote comes back up again and some other issues I'd like to see where he stands on the issues before we get that but you got to understand this is your new Democratic Party forget about the Ginsburg rule in this case even the Washington Post today is arguing against the Ginsburg rule, 1993. No hints of, in other words, how she will rule on any particular issue. No forecasts and no previews. 
Whatever happened to the Ginsburg rule that everybody so loved? And, of course, we have the treatment of Robert Bork by Ted Kennedy. Smear, slander, besmirchment, character assassination. Robert Bork's America is a land in which women would be forced into back alley abortions. Blacks would sit at segregated lunch counters. Rogue police could break down citizens' doors and midnight raids. And school children could not be taught about evolution. Writers and artists would be censured at the whim of government. Yeah. And then, of course, Clarence Thomas and the way he was horribly treated and it resulted in him fighting back and winning his confirmation. This is a circus. It's a national disgrace. It is a high tech lynching for uppity blacks who in any way deign to think for themselves. And it is a message that unless you kowtow to an old order, you will be lynched, destroyed, caricatured, by a committee of the U.S. U.S. Senate rather than hung from a tree. Sad, isn't it? But that's, you know, 40 interruptions, 40 minutes, typical and sad. All right, we got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll get to your phone calls right down our toll-free number. It's 800-941-SEAN. Where do we get to Bruce Orr keeping Mueller's deputy, Andrew Weissman, in the loop about the anti-Trump dossier? We'll get to that more straight ahead. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. A lot of news. So we got the elections, the midterms, in just 63 short days. We've got all the Kavanaugh hearings going on. A lot of people talking about Woodward's book. You know, I can go through verse and chapter. You know, Woodward is never going to write a good book about a sitting president or one that doesn't have salacious gossip or people that have that talk that used to be there that aren't there that wish they were there that feel that they were mistreated or whatever. And it's just part of the process, I guess, in this day and age, if you're going to be president, it just goes with the territory. Um, nobody, I doubt, well, Newt Gingrich to, in fairness to him, he did it. I mean, we do have 4 million new jobs created. We do have more Americans employed than ever before in history, the greatest labor participation rate in history, the opposite of Obama. You know, Obama said manufacturing jobs weren't coming back. We have nearly 500,000 new manufacturing jobs. It's growing at a faster rate than it has in three decades. 4.2% economic growth last quarter. The Atlanta Fed is saying it's going to be in the fours for the next quarter. New unemployment claims at a 49-year low. You got median household income at the highest level. You got 14 states record low unemployment, record low unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian-Americans, women in the workplace, the lowest in what, 65 years, youth unemployment, the lowest in 51 years, lowest unemployment rate ever recorded for Americans without a high school diploma. Um, you got almost 4 million Americans off of food stamps since the election. Four, 4 million jobs, 4 million people off of food stamps. I mean, it's an amazing reversal of fortune, and that's what's at stake. You know, you add that, that the president also has put America on a path to energy independence. You know, the Keystone, Dakota Access Pipelines, ANWR is now open. You have more regulations that have been taken off the books, so it's now become a business-friendly country once again. The individual Obamacare mandate is gone. More affordable health care options for people. I mean, it goes on and on. 
you know, on top of that, the president's keeping his promise. He got six billion more dollars to fight the opioid epidemic. I mean, I can go on and on from here. Got a record seven hundred billion dollars in military funding because it was dilapidated under Obama. Then, of course, the president wants to do the wall, et cetera, et cetera. By the way, when did Louis Farrakhan ever become mainstream? You see him sitting next to a former president of the United States at, what was it, Aretha Franklin's funeral? Good grief. Eric Holder says he wants to be president posing for a picture with Louis Farrakhan? I mean, I assume they know who this is. The satanic Jews. They control everything and mostly everybody. If they are your enemy, then you must... somebody on the night of september the 17th this is my favorite 1985 i was carried up on that mountain in a vision with a few friends of mine as we reached the top of the mountain a wheel or what you call an unidentified flying object Uh appeared at the side of the mountain and i was called from the wheel the wheel. To come up into the wheel. I travel in a wheel all Three the time. Three metal legs appeared from the wheel, giving me the impression that it was going to land, but it never came over the mountain. Being somewhat afraid, I called to the members of my party to come with me, but a voice from the wheel spoke, saying, Not them, just you. I was told to relax. And a beam of light came from the wheel, and I was carried up on this beam of light into the wheel. I sat next to the pilot. However, I could not see him. I could only feel his presence. As the wheel lifted off from the side of the mountain, moving at a terrific speed, I knew I was being transported to the mother wheel or the mother plane, which is a human-built planet a half a mile by a half a mile, which the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us of for over 60 years. Anyway, back to the wheel. One other thing before we move on to some of the deep state issues. I mentioned the Kavanaugh-Ginsburg standard. If you're watching these hearings at all, the main crux of the Democrats' argument is that, well, we haven't had time. There's so many papers. In total, you've got more than 425 or 50,000 pages of records on Brett Kavanaugh. Now, if you want to look at it in terms of the total of of the records that were handed over as it relates to Kavanaugh, were literally it more than doubles the number provided for Elena Kagan during her confirmation process. And get this, it's more than five, more than the last five nominees document totals combined. And that's just on the pages that were handed over. On top of that, there were reports that if Congress wanted to see or the Senate wanted to see additional documents on the basis of constitutional executive privilege, well, they provided another hundred plus thousand pages of documents. And the letter stated that the most significant portion of the documents reflected deliberations in candidate advice concerning selection of the nomination of judicial candidates. And by the way, as Ted Cruz has rightly pointed out, this was not his stuff, but he's just giving opinions. 
So all of this is a show. And forget the Ginsburg rule. That's now that's now done. That's finished. But it's going to go on. The ranting, the raving, the chaos. And guess what's going to happen at the end of the process? Brett Kavanaugh is going to be on the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, I think the biggest story while I was away, I want to get into this in more details. Catherine Herridge broke it at the Fox News Channel on foxnews.com. And the headline was DOJ's Bruce Orr kept Mueller deputy in the loop about the anti-Trump dossier. He's talking about the Christopher Steele dossier. Now, what's amazing about this is Christopher Steele, when push came to shove and his own dossier was he was questioned about it in an interrogatory in Great Britain under oath and the threat of perjury. Even he said, uh, I don't know if it's true. It's, you know, maybe 50 50. So how could that happen? Anyway, the piece goes on that Bruce Orr, remember, he's the fourth highest ranking member of the Justice Department. He's been demoted twice now, had contact. This name will sound familiar to you. Andrew Weissman uh, in 2016, now a top Robert Mueller deputy. Well, he's more than that. Andrew Weissman is, as the New York Times called him, Robert Mueller's pit bull. And this is a guy that when he was involved in the Enron investigation and Anderson accounting, tens of thousands of people ended up losing their jobs needlessly. This is a guy that was overturned by the Supreme Court 9-0. You really have to be spectacularly wrong to lose 9-0. This is a guy that was excoriated for withholding exculpatory evidence in cases. This is a guy that sent four Merrill executives to jail for a year. Read Sidney Powell's book license to lie for a year and that was overturned by the fifth circuit anyway we're now finding out that bruce orr was in contact with andrew weissman now we had learned in the weeks previous with all the text messages and handwritten notes and christopher Steele is hoping that his fire walls plural hold and that he's worried about being exposed and scared to death about the Grassley Committee investigation and scared to death about James Comey's testimony that was upcoming before Congress. Anyway, Fox News goes on to point out, and Catherine Herridge, that Orr's outreach about the dossier, as well as Christopher Steele, the opposition research firm behind it, Glenn Fusion, Fusion GPS, sorry, Glenn Simpson, Fusion GPS, Nellie Orr, who's Bruce's wife's, Uh, Bruce Orr's wife and works for Fusion. Sorry, I'm getting this straight. It occurred before and and after the FBI had fired Steele over lying and leaking documents. Orr's network of contacts, as it relates to the dossier, we now find out included Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, you know, both gone from the FBI, uh, Deputy Director Andrew McCabe, Weissman, and at least one other DOJ official, and a current FBI agent who worked with Strzok on the Russia case. You notice that this is one big incestuous mess and that they're literally taking this crap and Orr and Christopher Steele are communicating about, well, what about your contacts at the special counsel's office? Well, Steele, we know his dossier was debunked. It was full of lies and insinuations that even he doesn't stand by. Well, this report goes on to say that Andrew Weissman, who is Mueller's pit bull, was kept in the loop on the dossier while he was the chief of the criminal fraud division. He's now assigned to Mueller's team, and the list includes several figures who have since attracted the scorn of the president as he decries this ridiculous Russia probe that now heads into its 18th month, 500-plus day, and those involved in the early stages of this. 
And that means Orr and his wife, Nellie Orr, and Fusion GPS, and, you know, all the other people involved here. Bruce Orr was a top boss at the Department of Justice. He's still working for the Department of Justice. Amazing. And Orr's broad circle of contacts indicates that members of the FBI leadership knew about his back-channel activities to the guy that they fired, Christopher Steele, who put together the phony dossier that we now know Hillary Clinton and the DNC funded. They funneled the money through a law firm, Interfusion GPS. They hired Steele. Steele accumulates Russian lies, disseminates it to the American people, to lie to and propagandize the American people, to purposely misinform the American people before a presidential election, and then it also becomes the basis of a FISA warrant. And you have Republicans that are trying to get to the bottom of everybody's specific role here in perpetuating these lies and disseminating these lies, this unverified dossier. There's a great question. What efforts, if any, did the FBI take to verify or corroborate what was in the dossier? That became the bulk of information to get the FISA warrant because it's part of the law that they you can't present something to a judge that you don't know to be true on your own. They never verified it. They never corroborated it. They just wanted it to be true. Anyway, the, uh, the House Intel Committee memo released in February said Steele maintained contact with Orr, both before and after he was fired by the FBI. And shortly after the election, the FBI began interviewing Orr and documenting his communications with Steele. Remember, the FBI paid Steele 11 straight months. Steele's getting money from Clinton, the DNC, Fusion GPS, and the FBI. It's insanity. In 2016, Steele admitted to Orr's feelings about Donald Trump. He was desperate that Donald Trump not get elected. He was passionate about him not being president. So that explains the lies that he put together. And Orr's handwritten notes, we know that two weeks after the election, he made a list including Strzok, an FBI agent, who, by the way, may have been a reference to the meeting. No prosecution yet. He goes, push ahead on M. M meaning Manafort. Go back to Chris, meaning Christopher Steele. So they were pushing this almost immediately as it relates to the election. The same month, Steele was fired by the FBI as a confidential source over his contacts with the media. Also, according to court records, the FBI memo also states that Andrew Weissman, in fact, met with him on April 2017 and met with a group of reporters about Manafort. This was on the eve of his appointment by Robert Mueller to the special counsel. That timing is significant because it came one month before the FBI director Comey was fired and Mueller was appointed to lead the special counsel team. And Republican lawmakers who questioned Orr earlier this week say the connection between Orr, his wife Nellie, who did Russia research for Fusion GPS, you know, were well known. When they went to court, the FBI knew three important things. They didn't disclose this to the court, meaning the FISA court. They knew the Orr's involvement in the production of the dossier. They knew Christopher Steele had an extreme bias against the president. They knew who paid for the dossier. They didn't disclose any of this to FISA court judges on four separate occasions. And Fusion GPS, they didn't respond to Fox News inquiries about it. And their financial records were subject of a lawsuit, not public, apparently. And Nellie Orr received multiple payments in 2016 from Fusion GPS. Apparently not small change either. 
Bruce Orr never revealed it to the Justice Department. Fox News contacted lawyers for the current officials with Orr, as well as Mueller's office. They're not commenting on it. It's unbelievable. Just one big, massive collusion to unseat a, a sitting president. Mark Meadows, one of the uh, officials identified by Orr, was Andrew Weissman. I guess that explains why Mueller isn't interested in investigating how the Justice Department used the bogus steel dossier and lied and committed a fraud on the FISA courts. All right, a lot to get to today. We'll get to the Kavanaugh hearings. Jay Sekulow coming up. Also, we'll check in with, these are huge developments. Bruce Orr kept Mueller's deputy, Andrew Weissman, in the loop about the phony steel dossier. Well, that's pretty blockbuster testimony. The election in 63 days, Dave Bratt, Freedom Caucus, why this election matters so much and why you need to pay attention and register and maybe even get off your ass and go vote. Sorry to be so blunt. We'll continue. It's my understanding that everything that Bruce Orr did was approved uh, and known to senior Department of Justice officials, coordinated closely with the FBI. Uh, so I think this is something that, you know, will have to be looked at. I don't know all the facts here, but I think some of the facts that are being purported by some members of Congress uh, may not, in fact, be the actual facts. It's really an unprecedented use of official prosecutorial resources to have him that deeply involved in generating this opposition research. We need to know who else at the FBI knew what he was doing. We need to know when he started dealing with people like Glenn Simpson at Fusion GPS, what his interactions were with Christopher Steele, and the financial interest that he had in stake. Because his wife, Nellie Orr, worked for Fusion GPS, and you're not allowed to be a federal official and participate in matters that you have a financial interest. So I think there's a whole host of questions, but he really is a critical kind of wheel in this whole collusion cog that we've been able to expose over the last few months. You said you did not personally receive documents from Mr. Orr, but the FBI did. Is that correct? That's correct. And you also said the FBI got documents from a different source in mid-September. Different source than whom? A different source from Mr. Orr. It was not Mr. Orr who provided the initial documents that I became aware of in mid-September. So Mr. Orr did not hand you the dossier? That's... Mr. Orr didn't hand me anything. Mr. FBI. Orr provided information to the FBI that included material that is what everybody's calling the dossier. Oh, so Mr. Orr did give... Uh, Steele as, as it relates to the dossier. What else are we going to learn here? The biggest news since I was out for the Labor Day holiday is that Bruce Orr's Department of Justice kept Mueller's deputy in the loop about the anti-Trump dossier. Now, this is a guy that was meeting with Christopher Steele, who himself doesn't stand by his own dossier, meeting before the election, after the election, in what has, you know, been a debunked dossier. We, we need to get answers to this question. Did the FBI in any way, shape, manner, or form ever try to verify what became the bulk of information presented to a FISA court? Because it appears they did nothing. But anyway, Bruce Orr had contact with Andrew Weissman in 2016. Remember Andrew Weissman? He is, according to the New York Times, Mueller's pit bull. He's the guy... That lost 9-0 in the Supreme Court. He's the guy that was involved in the Enron case that tens of thousands of Americans lost their jobs on. He's the guy that put four Merrill executives in jail for a year. They were innocent. That was overturned by the Fifth Circuit. He's the one involved in the Manafort bank loan case. As if it it had nothing to do with Trump, the campaign, Russia, collusion, nothing. 
Well, now we find out that Weissman, now a top Mueller deputy, his pit bull and other senior FBI officials about the controversial dossier and the individuals behind it. The sources said that Orr's outreach about the dossier, as well as its author, uh, Christopher Steele and Glenn Simpson, who runs Fusion GPS, and Nellie Orr, Bruce Orr's wife, who works for Fusion, occurred both before and after the FBI fired Steele as a source over his media contacts. And Orr's network of contacts, in fact, included, let's see, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and Andrew McCabe and Weissman and at least one other DOJ official and her current FBI agent who worked with Strzok on the Russia case. Quote, Weissman was kept in the loop on the dossier, according to a source, while he was the chief of the criminal fraud division, now assigned to Mueller's team. If that's not a conflict, I don't know what is. Anyway, the list includes... A number of figures who have since attracted the scorn of the president, because obviously look at the connections here. And the one thing that we know about Christopher Steele is we can't have Donald Trump as president. And Christopher Steele wouldn't even stand behind his own dossier. Uh, joining us now, we have David Schoen, civil and criminal civil liberties attorney and criminal rights attorney. And he's been following this case closely. And Mr. Schoen, how are you, sir? Fine, thanks. How are you? I'm good. So to me, the fact that Bruce Orr is keeping... Mueller's pit bull in the loop in all of this, and nobody has ever given any evidence that they ever tried to even independently verify what Steele himself wouldn't even stand behind, is mind-numbing to me. Right. I mean, this is another key fact now that you've brought out, brought out this keeping Weissman in the loop. And as we know from everything we've seen in this case, if Weissman is involved, something bad happens. You know, you listed some of his uh, accomplishments over the course of his career. I think you were a little too modest. Weissman is also the fellow who has been cited by a federal judge for withholding exculpatory evidence in a key case in which he licensed a mob killer to stay on the street and to continue killing. That case is still pending today, seeking a new trial uh, for the people who were wrongly convicted in that case. But, but it goes on and on. I think what you have to keep your eye on now with Orr, what you've brought out so many in so many different ways now, is the company he was keeping. It's not coincidental who his wife works for. It's not coincidental he met with Glenn Simpson. It's not coincidental now that he's passing this information up the chain. And remember, Bruce Orr said that it wasn't, uh, it was just raw material. And that's why he didn't tell his immediate supervisor. But who he was keeping in the loop were these anti-Trump, pro-Clinton forces operating in justice. And the biggest question, perhaps, of all is, why is Orr acting so far outside his job description with all of this? Well, I mean, I think that's a that's a great piece. He got demoted twice. Why does he still have a job, I think, is another question here. Right. That, that's, that, that's absolutely right. I mean, it, we've never seen a Justice Department operating rogue like this before. Maybe it's happened, but we've never seen it. We've never learned about it, at least. Um, it's, it's become completely politicized, and it has to be shaken up from top to bottom. There is no possible way. This, this was the number state. four guy at the Department of Justice, David. That's right. This is not That's some right. low level guy at the Department of Justice. And when and you, it's one after another. Well, I mean, we even saw in the emails that he had and the, the text message exchanges and the handwritten notes that he was scared to death of being exposed by Senator Grassley's committee. He was scared to death that the firewalls wouldn't hold just before James Comey testified. And he was afraid that, and firewalls, by the way, is plural, and he was afraid that he would get exposed. All of those right. things, to me, indicate 
that they knew what they were doing was wrong. And in a sense, I mean, when you add the struck page and their text exchanges in context and the fact that we now know that they're all interconnected in all of this, what does it tell you? That there was a vast conspiracy against the president, then candidate, and then President-elect Trump. That politicized probably the most important department in our government. Certainly the department whose integrity is the most important because people's lives are at stake uh, every, every day with that department. Listen, you're, you've put out all of the pieces. You've exposed the players now. It has to be put together so that people see this is not just coincidence that there were so many bad actors with an agenda there. At some point, we have to say, if it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck. This is what we believe it to be, what you have just described. Well, let's go a little bit further here, because congressional Republicans are still trying to get to the bottom of war's role in, in this and the circulation of this unverified dossier, which is a critical piece of the evidence in obtaining the surveillance warrant. As a matter of fact, we're told it was the bulk of evidence. Uh, we know, and more and more leaks out on a regular basis, that Orr was grilled by the House committees behind closed doors for seven hours. And we know in the House Intel Committee memo released in February that Steele maintained contact with Orr. We know that there are handwritten notes. We know that we know what are in these notes. He made a list including Page and Strzok and the FBI agent, which may have been a reference to a meeting, no prosecution yet, uh, push case ahead on M, meaning Manafort, um, may go back to Chris, he wrote. Congressional investigators told Fox they believe M is for Manafort. Chris is likely... Christopher Steele, and the same month Steele was fired by the FBI as a confidential source over lying and leaking. So, I mean, how what how do we interpret all of this except to be an effort by high-ranking people to conspire against a sitting president at this point? It's astonishing. I don't think there's any other fair interpretation to be put on it if somebody looks at just the facts you put out there. But you know what? You focused before on the FISA application and the importance of that process and the omission from the applications, including the multiple renewals, of what we now know they knew about Steele's lack of credibility and the problems with Steele that was not told to the FISA court. I want to clear one thing up, if I can, very briefly. You know, people have been mocking the President's Trump, uh, President Trump's tweet about the lack of hearings by the FISA court. People say, oh, they don't usually hold hearings. Let's be real clear about this. This is not the usual case. This is an investigation to the President of the United States with multiple renewals. The rules of the FISA court expressly give that court the authority to conduct hearings. That's Rule 17 of the court, of the court's rules. It wouldn't be there unless they had the authority to. There are enough questions that should have been asked here to conduct hearings. And secondly, the government has an absolute obligation under Rule 13 of the FISA court to supplement its submissions when any material facts have been omitted. We know now that they've been omitted. Where's the supplication? So they shouldn't be mocking the president's tweet and focusing on terms like hearings or not hearings. The point is the president's trying to make is the integrity of that process was lacking based on the misleading and uh, uh, government application and multiple renewals full of omissions, signed off on, by the way, by Rod Rosenstein. Let me bring in uh, our good friend Sebastian Gorka, author of Why We Fight, uh, the interesting reveal also on top of all of this that Bruce Orr was keeping, you know, Mueller's pit bull, Andrew Weissman, in the loop. But the FBI memo also states that Weissman met as early as April of 2017 with a group of reporters about Manafort. And now we know that way before that he had been kept in the loop the entire time as it relates to all of this. 
And then he's telling reporters on the eve of him even being appointed by Mueller. I mean, it's pretty amazing. It's absolutely incredible, Sean. If you just you just have to lay out the facts, like the way you do on your show every night with the monologue. I think about the fact that those notes you just discussed three weeks ago, Fox News uh, can uh, outline that those notes from Bruce Orr had lines in it such as his being very concerned that they will be exposed. Who's the they and what is he afraid about being exposed? Then if you connect that to the great investigative reporting that's being done by Lee Smith, he, he has documented, it's all unclassified, he's documented seven occasions, Sean, when somebody connected to the FBI or the DOJ as a potential asset, as somebody who's worked with them before, was dangled before the Trump campaign in an attempt to make somebody there do something wrong. Well, in, in, in layman's speak, that's called entrapment. When you try more than half a dozen times, whether it's Carter Page, whether it's Papadopoulos or anybody else, to get a political campaign to do something that's illegal, they didn't do anything but trying that hard, that's entrapment. And that's why the left is running scared. That's why Bruce Orr is running scared, because of all the things that are still going to come out, Sean. I'm beginning to wonder whether or not Bruce Orr is starting now to realize that his own future is in jeopardy here because it sounds like behind closed doors that he's being a little bit more honest than some of uh, his predecessors that have attempted to obstruct the House committees from from getting to the bottom of it. We'll take a break. More with Dr. Gorka, his book, uh, Why We Fight, and also more with David Sean. 800-941-SEAN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, final moments as we continue with David Schoen and Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Dr. Gorka, uh, looking at all of this, we still don't see the progress we need. We don't see the indictments that I think need to be handed down. We don't see the abuse of power covered by the mainstream media. And you wonder, you know, since the Mueller investigation has gone so afar from its original mandate, or I guess it was so wide, when do the people that had the highest levels of power, when do they get held accountable? Well, that, that is, Sean, that really is, you know, is Lady Justice blindfold or not? If you have the last name Clinton, does that mean you get a free pass? That director of the FBI will list how many tri- times you broke the law with your private homebrew server, but then will encourage the DOJ not to prosecute you? This is the, the, the question. Can we re-instill the faith of the American people in the justice system. Uh, and, and it gets, you know, the more you, it's hard to follow this stuff because there's so much corruption, so many people involved. But the more you find out, the more you realize the breadth of what we are talking about. We're just talking about Fisergate right now. And you've been, you've been, you know, handling that and you have the, the right approach to it. But what about the other scandals? What about unmasking? Unmasking could potentially be much, much larger than... than what about Uranium One? What about, you know, giving up 20%? On and on and on, yes. On and on and on. But think, think of the unmasking, the unmasking thing. I mean, Uranium One, most Americans have nothing, will, will never have any experience of Uranium in their life. Yeah. But if you look at the unmasking scandal, the unmasking scandal potentially is about the identity of hundreds of American citizens being illegally uncovered, being illegally exposed in a retroactive fashion because they were somehow politically connected to the Trump campaign or to Donald Trump. 
when you have the uh, Obama's UN ambassador, uh, Samantha Power, who's not a part of the intelligence community, over her signature in one year, almost 200 yeah, really. people who are American. And then she says she didn't do it. I mean, then, then who did it in her name? Uh, all right, we got to run the last word, David Sean. You asked the question millions of Americans are asking. When will the attention finally turn to the Clinton emails, to Comey, to McCabe, all of these scandals you've exposed, the American people demand answers and they won't put up with this. The problem is the media doesn't talk about those things, and most people just learn about what's in front of them. The American people are going to demand answers. You've got to keep pushing. All right. Thank you both for being with us. Uh, Dr. Gorka, thank you. D- David Schoen, thank you. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. We're going to get to your calls at the bottom of this half hour. Later on, we'll check in with Jay Sekulow. From the American Center for Law and Justice, Dave Brad of Virginia is going to check in and much more on the chaos and the confirmation hearings of Brett Kavanaugh and much more as we continue. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to be recognized to ask a question before we proceed. The committee received just last night, less than 15 hours ago, 42,000 pages of documents that we have not had an opportunity to review or read or analyze. You're out, you're out of order. I'll proceed. We cannot possibly move forward, Mr. Chairman. I extend this a very warm welcome we have not to been Judge given opportunity to have a meaningful to his wife, Ashley, on nominee. Their two daughters. Mr. Chairman, I agree with my colleague, Senator Harris. Mr. Chairman, Judge we received 42,000 documents that we haven't and been everyone able else joining to review us last night. And we believe this hearing should be postponed. I know this is an exciting day for all of you here. Mr. Chairman. And you're rightly proud Mr. Chairman, of if, Judge, if we cannot be recognized, I move to adjourn. The American people. Mr. Chairman, I move to adjourn. Directly from Judge Kavanaugh and later this afternoon. Mr. Chairman, I move to adjourn. Mr. Chairman, we have been denied. We have been denied real access to the documents we need to advise. Mr. Chairman, regular orders called for, which turns this hearing into a charade and a mockery of our norms. Well, Mr. Chairman, I therefore move to adjourn this hearing. Mr. Chairman, I, I ask for a roll call vote on my motion to adjourn. We vote not. Well, you know, you can hear what the Democrats and it's so obvious what they did here. If you if you missed this earlier today at the Kavanaugh hearings, you had the Senate Judiciary Committee chairman, Charles Grassley, almost incapable of completing his opening sentence before committee Democrats interrupting him. He'd rule Camilla Harris out of order. And then like clockwork, there's Richard Blumenthal. He'd start in when he finally shut up. Uh, Grassley attempts to speak again. Cory Booker would, sh- would step up after Cory Booker. Then it's Chris Coons and Tom Tillis and on and on and on, which was, uh, you know, while all this going on, they had their left-wing troops in the gallery constantly shouting, constantly interrupting. 
And I'm really not sure why it took security forever to allow all these disruptions and all this screaming and all this shouting. I was watching Orrin Hatch try and give his opening remarks, and the screaming just never stopped. And I think Grassley should have ordered the gallery to be cleared of anybody that was disruptive. Uh, John Cornyn had it right when he compared what was going on to mob rule, but the icing on the cake, apparently this morning's entire charade, we now know was planned in advance. Dick Durbin admitted Tuesday in the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on the nomination of Brent Kavanaugh to the U.S. Supreme Court that he and other Democrats participated in a conference call. They did it to disrupt the hearings. And Durbin was responding to a question by Senator Tom Tillis, who cited an NBC News tweet from earlier in the morning that reported that Senate Democrats had planned over the Labor Day weekend to use protests and interruptions. NBC's Casey Hunt tweeted out Democrats plotted, coordinated the protest strategy over the holiday weekend and all agreed to disrupt and protest. They're acting like these are supposed to be senators. This is about an important branch of our government, the judicial branch. Apparently, Chucky Schumer led a phone call. Committee members are now following through on the orders and they're executing as as they've been told to do so. NBC News confirms the plot with its politics division. Democratic senators open Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh confirmation hearing with a protest plan coordinated and agreed to over the weekend, according to people familiar with all the planning. Senator Tillis asks, I just want to be clear that none of the members on the committee participated in that phone call. Or that strategy before the documents were released yesterday. Are you suggesting that this allegation is false? And Durbin asked to respond, but merely deflected. Of course it was planned. This is, you know, 22 protesters arrested during the Kavanaugh hearing just in the morning session. Kavanaugh's daughters were rushed out of the Senate hearing for their own safety. I mean, it's just, it's typical Democrat 101 belligerent shrieking radical leftism and trying to adjourn the hearing. But look, facts matter. Truth matters in all of this. As I said in in my opening remarks today, my opening monologue, you know, Kavanaugh, the Ginsburg rule, the Ginsburg standard, no hints, no forecasts, no previews. She said in 1993, responding to a question about discrimination, I did not see, apparently that it did a full hour on RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, on fake news CNN as one of the all-time great justices. Like, okay, I don't think so. But I didn't have the time to watch it. Um, Biden is even warning Democrats, uh, don't walk out of the hearings. That's really bad. You know, the guy has an amazing background, has amazing even bipartisan support from real people that really know him. Um, they've handed over more documents than what the last four Supreme Court nominees combined, and they're complaining about they don't have enough documents. Well, how much do you want in terms of documents? And then they're complaining, well, you didn't have time to read them. Well, the Republicans had time to read them. They've read all the documents. And if you look, you know, get a little bit down deep into, you know, the letter reports, the releases over time, they produced nearly 300,000 pages of documents, 150,000 pages of documents for committee members, confidential viewing. Not one member took the time to go over and review that which was put aside for them to go review. Not one. So you got 415 pages, executive branch records. It more than doubles the number provided for Elena Kagan during her confirmation process is more than the last five nominees' document totals combined. And 
you know, that's, of course, on top of the best evidence, which is Judge Kavanaugh's record, his supreme, super, superb judicial philosophy, his 12 years on the D.C. Circuit, and a lifetime of service. They don't like it because they didn't get their radical left-wing judicial activist that Hillary would have appointed. Well, that's a consequence, as Obama used to remind everybody, every chance he got. Elections have consequences. Well, this one is one of them. Uh, let's go to Sean, is in San Angelo, Texas. Sean, hi, how are you? Welcome to the program. Wow, what a wild morning, huh? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I agree. I feel for you living there in New York. My wife and I just uh, escaped California. Yeah, thank you. I feel for me. I feel for me too. I, I, I'm uh, I, the amount of money you paid in California. We pay in New York is insanity. <laughs> it is theft. It is legalized stealing at this point. But if you don't pay it, you're going to be in trouble. Pay your taxes. You know, Kamala Harris, uh, she brought up the fact of bringing a million pages. And these people, they would sign a spending bill within 10 minutes of thousands of pages, and they'd never read anything. Look, they had all of the time they needed. All this is, is it didn't matter who Trump appointed. They were going to do this. It just didn't matter. It's just truly sad. What these people are doing, um, it, it's just the, the, the lunacy is getting worse and worse. And to see our children, you know, uh, listening to this, it's just it's so embarrassing for the country. It truly is. It's not. Emba- Listen, it reveals what the left wing in this country is. There are no mm-hmm. more moderate Democrats. There's no Scoop Jacksons. There's no more Zell Miller. Zell Miller recently passed away You know, former governor, senator from Georgia. Got to know him really well in you know, the later years in his life, I had opposed him when he was governor. And he's, he literally did a lot of good in his life. You know, Joe Lieberman, look what happened to Joe Lieberman. It was a, it was a Democratic vice presidential candidate, and his party turned him out. And he had to run as an independent to win his last term in the state of Connecticut. It's just unbelievable. All right, back to our phones. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate it. Ted is in Boston. Ted, how are you? What's going on, my friend? Glad you called. I'm good, Sean. How are you? Thank you for, for taking my call. Oh, I'm very uh, thankful you called. What's going on today? Um, you know, aside from the political affiliations and, you know, those on the left and those on the right, is, is there a little trepidation with a 2013 legal opinion from Kavanaugh? Quote, if the president has a constitutional objection to a statutory mandate or prohibition, the president may decline to follow the law unless and until a final court order dictates otherwise. Listen, the president has a lot of, you know, Article 2 powers that he hasn't even he hasn't even used at this particular point in time. The fact that the, many of these issues are so cut and dry, and the fact that you have people on television that say that they're legal analysts and they don't even understand Article 2 powers is a little bit frightening. But I will tell you, you know, at the end of the day, the Constitution, Levin said this, and I agree with him, the Constitution's on the president's side, and it's on the side of the American people. To the extent that we push aside constitutionality, which, is, which was one of my biggest complaints about Obama, um, we do so to our own peril. And that's why I keep harping on equal justice and equal application of our laws. Because if we have one set of laws for one group of people, another set of laws for another group of people, the constitutional republic, that is the greatest ever created by man, stands in peril and in jeopardy of future existence. Because that then there is the definition and the beginnings of potential tyranny. And it's a scary time. We better get this right. We better apply the rule of law. 
The standards got to be applied equally um, or else we're all going to be in trouble. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity show, 800 for what? What do you what do you give me the no, look? No, I was just, you know, I, I saw the McCain coverage over the weekend and it was, you know, it was really sad, you know, to watch that, you know, regardless of what your political beliefs are. It's always sad when we lose someone who serves our country. Listen, um, and it was in the tweet that I put out. It's interesting you bring this up because I was watching this and I'm thinking all and, by, and I'm not talking about Cindy or Megan. I don't care that. It's a wife and a daughter. I don't people can have the funerals. He didn't want to invite the president or Sarah Palin. I got whatever. You're allowed to have your funeral whatever way you want. I do know that the president sent Air Force Two, accommodated rightly so the McCain family and all the things that they requested and that they wanted, which I thought was also the right thing to do. Uh, he served his country with honor and distinction. He was a war hero. Five years as a POW. Um and I said I never regretted supporting him in 2008. And if you remember when he came back for the vote against health care, he gave that big, long speech about, you know, we need to get along, et cetera, and, and turn off those guys on talk radio and cable. They can go straight to hell. It never bothered me. And that was a side of McCain that, you know, I never got along with. And uh, But I never regretted supporting him. But I watched all of these people. And specifically Obama, former President Bush, who was quiet all during the Obama years. It seemed like an establishment versus outsider. You know, too much of an undertone of that for my liking. And I just thought, you know, I remember what happened in South Carolina in 2000, in the primary in 2000. I remember all the horrible things that Barack Obama's campaign said about John McCain. And again, it's his funeral. He can do whatever he wants. He apparently... Did it exactly the way he wanted. But my memory's not that short. And I just, it was sad to me that, you know, there were certain grudges that seemed to be held and then others were just pushed aside. And, um, but, you know, whatever. I, you know, I, I, to me, it wasn't something I wanted to watch at that point. I'm sorry. I feel my prayers go out to Megan and, and her mom, Cindy. They're lovely people. I've worked with Megan and both radio and TV. And um, she's entitled to say whatever she wants. It didn't it didn't phase me or bother me in the least. She's absolutely free to say what she wants. I'm so surprised it didn't take a page out of your book and go into the woods, yeah. you know, with the uh, the prayer by yourself, you know, where you'll, where you'll have no cell phone access. And it's just you alone, no, 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 with nature, no, no. God. All right, you're mischaracterizing what I have said. If it is if it's determined that I have X number weeks, days, months to live. I don't want to be a burden to anybody. So under those circumstances, if that ever happens to me in my life, I will call my friends and family together. I'll probably do a live reading of my will just to make it fun. And I'm going to say goodbye. And then I'm going to go away. I never said the woods. I'm going to go away so that. So where are you going? Because you did mention the, the woods idea. once or twice. Okay. Uh, Wherever I'm going to go, nobody's going to be able to find me except there'll be one person that is assigned to be notified if when I die. Sweet baby James. Probably. <laughs> Probably. He's the only one that can keep a secret in my life. And then from there, I, I don't want to be a burden to other people. Do you really want your children changing your diapers at the end of your life? I don't. Absolutely. Payback is bliss. No, payback is not bliss. Come on, you but could afford someone to do it for you. Okay, but do you want them to even see that? I don't want them to see, I want them to remember me as I was in my living years, not in my dying days. As a ninja. Whatever. You know, there's enough videotape of me in radio time. If you really care, you can go back and listen to all the classics. But that, that's just for me. I don't want to be a burden to anybody.
That's my own personal choice. Well, I think it's selfless. You think it's selfish, which I find amazing. All right, we got to take a break. We'll come back. 800-941-SEAN. Jay Sekulow at the top of the hour on the Kavanaugh debacle that took place most of the day today and much more straight ahead. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. All right, news roundup, information overload hour. Let's go back to the Kavanaugh hearings from earlier today. All the Democratic disruption and chaos and insanity uh, that took place. Obviously, this was all orchestrated, as I pointed out earlier today. Uh, Democrats planning, plotting, scheming over Labor Day weekend to put on a show, and they put one on this morning, and here's what happened. Judge Kavanaugh was a senior lawyer in the White House. He advised the president on judicial nominations, provided legal advice on separation of powers issues, and handled litigation matters. As the the Supreme Court has put it, quote, unless the president can give his advisors some assurance of confidentiality, a president could not expect to receive the full and frank submissions of facts and opinions upon which the effective discharge of his duties depends, end of quote. The issues Judge Kavanaugh worked on are exactly the sort of issues that require, according to the Supreme Court, some assurance of confidentiality. We in the Senate and everyone else in America expect exactly the same sort of confidentiality. Most senators would not agree to turn over their staff's communication to anyone. And, of course, in the morning session alone, there was, what, 22 people that were arrested during the hearing. Again, all invited guests that hated in every way, shape, manner, and form uh, Judge Kavanaugh. And I think it was as much about Donald Trump. And so it kicks off with this belligerent, shrieking hecklers. And here's what they said. Mr. Chairman, I, I ask for a roll call vote on my motion to adjourn. You know, Democrats can't just stop revealing who they really are as this goes. If it became chaotic. Anyway, joining us now, he is the chief counsel for the American Center for Law and Justice. Uh, he's also counsel to the president, although he's not here in that capacity today. Uh, Jay Seculo, how many times have you argued now in your life before the Supreme Court of the ACLJ? Uh, we've had about 20 cases there. I've argued 12 of them, so I'm uh, yeah, pretty a lot of a lot of time there. Yep. And so when you argue before a Supreme Court, it's, I think it's one of the more interesting proceedings because you put everything down in writing and they get to read both arguments briefs etc and then if they have questions you might get one word out of your mouth and they start grilling you i think the most i've ever gone was 35 seconds 
You've gone before I got stopped. Yeah, <laughs> before I got stopped with a question. So the way it looked, I mean, I, I've known Brett Kavanaugh a long time. I knew him back in the days in the Bush administration. I knew him in private practice. We worked on a uh, religious liberty case together. And uh, he's a smart guy. And uh, I will tell you that uh, the president has nominated a well-qualified nominee. The Supreme Court, you're right, it's probably the least understood branch because it's not the televised branch of government, but uh, plays a pivotally important role in our constitutional republic. And I think the president's made a great nomination. Well, let's talk a little bit about his background. Well, first, let's talk about the show. Obviously, there was a call this weekend. Uh, it was revealed, NBC News, Chuck Schumer leading the way, and that all of this was a, a planned operation from the start of the day. What is your take? Well, look, we know that. I mean, there was emails that were circulating this weekend that talked about it. In fact, our, our head of government affairs, Sean, was out in the, in the hallway calling it to our broadcast and said that he walked by a protester who was talking to another protester and said, are you getting arrested today? And the, and the guy said, no, I'm getting arrested tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow's my day. Why so, didn't yeah, Charles well Grassley get control of the room faster? In my opinion, it was way too slow. He was far too lenient. Yeah, I think he was going beyond what was necessary. But in, in his view, he was trying to not you know circumscribe anybody's uh, ability to be there. But they're not going to let this continue in this pattern. You can't. Uh, so they're televised. It's not like pe- people can't see it. But the, the disruption is not, as Dick Durbin said, the noise of our democracy. That's the... N- that's the noise of people engaging in a protest in a venue that's not appropriate for a protest. You could do it outside. You can do it on public sidewalks. But you're supposed to be at the Corman side of these facilities. Uh, you violate the rules. You pay the consequences. But the idea that the noise of our democracy, and the noise of democracy is what you hear the chanting outside the Supreme Court. That's the noise of our democracy. The, the noise of the democracy, that chanting outside the Supreme Court, doesn't happen inside the Supreme Court. If it does, the person's usually removed and arrested. Well, so, I mean, look, this yeah. is also part of a distraction, a general distraction. Well, I agree with all of that. I, what I think this really comes down to, it's a, it is a philosophical divide in the country. You know, either you believe in co-equal branches of government and separation of powers or you don't. And I have always felt and I think the left is obviously want they want to confirm people that share their political values that are willing to legislate from the bench that are that are, want to use the judicial branch of government to get done to America that which could never happen at a ballot box or through legislation. So they do it through judicial fiat, and that's the type of judge that they want. And somebody like Brett Kavanaugh respects the Constitution and the rule of law. They don't like that judicial philosophy because it doesn't advance their activism. It's really that simple to me. Well, look, I mean, if you want to know anything about Brett Kavanaugh, it's not so difficult. Read his 300 opinions. He's been on the bench for over a decade, well, I mean 13 years, on the, on the second most important court in the United States, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia. So if you want to know what, Je- uh, what, what his judicial philosophy which is all they're supposed to be discussing. He has all the qualifications. And no one can argue that he's not well qualified. I mean, the ABA said it because, because it's true. He's probably one of the most qualified we've ever had, if not the most. It seems but to I me that unless well, something spectacular happens, that there's no way that he is going to not be confirmed to the Supreme Court. What did you think of the appointment by the Arizona governor today of John Kyle to fill in oh, in I the interim? That was really, I think that was a smart move. Uh, Senator Kyle has a wealth of experience. I have had the pro privilege and pleasure of working with him for decades. Uh, look, he served on the Judiciary Committee. He's going to be great. I think it was a great move, uh, and that's a great call to service, and I appreciate uh, John Kyle uh, willing to interrupt his life to represent not only the people of 
the great state of Arizona, but also to assist everyone in the United States Senate. It's called a service again, and he, he rose to the occasion, as I knew he would. Let's talk about the Ginsburg rule. No hints, no forecasts, no previews. She said except in response... Except if you're the Washington Post, who said today they should change all that. You know, the Washington Post said today, Sean, no hints, no previews, no decisions on where it might go. But now they said that's not any good anymore. We need to know exactly how he's going to rule. And specifically, they want him to know how he's going to rule on the issue of executive privilege, presidential authority, Article 2. That they want him to say. So the Ginsburg rule applies to everybody except... But the, but the reality is there's reference no, my client. But the reality yeah. is just if he does have to rule on any such issue, just because he was appointed by the president, the president doesn't ask somebody how they're going to specifically rule. Nobody knows. Of course not. Of course not. And look, I mean, that doesn't disqualify him. No, if, they, if that was the case, every nominee would be subject to every judge would be justice would be subject to disqualification based on nomination. That's not the way it works in the Supreme Court of the United States. Not the way it should work. He's going to review the law, review the briefs, listen to the arguments, and make a decision. All right, so let me ask you one question outside in your other role as, as yep. White House yep. counsel. Um, not White House counsel. Counsel, counsel to the, the president. I'm sorry. The 45th president. All right, I apologize. White House counsel. Counsel no, to, no, no. to Sean Hannity. Uh, I apologize yeah, for that's that. that's true. <laughs> uh, that's a good point. But I want to just ask, how do you see this all coming to an end? It's a very broad question. I, I, I didn't invite you on to talk about it, but yeah, um, you haven't been doing a lot of media on it. How does this all end, and when do you think it ends? Well, look, I don't give dates because uh, I've never given dates. I've had some colleagues that have given dates. I don't like giving dates, so I'm not going to give a date. How do I think it ends? I think it ends with a report. Uh, I think that uh, there's no collusion. There is no... I mean, the, the, this theory of Obstruction by tweet, I've said before, I think is, is absurd. So at the end of the day, I think there'll be a report that goes to the Deputy Attorney General of the United States. Uh, then it would be, it'll be limited on what he can do with it based on some executive privilege issues of documents that they've had within the executive branch that don't go to the other branches. And I think that it's, you know, I think that's it. I mean, now, when does this happen? You know, I'd like it to happen sooner rather than later, but I, I you know, you could say that without giving a date. I'm not going to give a date, but I, I will tell you this, that there's ongoing professional dialogue between our offices and the special counsels. There have been throughout the process. There's kind of fits and starts and, step, you know, you hit bumps in the road, but there's ongoing dialogue, and, and, and we'll see what kind of accommodations can be made to, to wrap it up. Do you think the That's issues that I've been covering in terms of the FBI and the DOJ and all the information that we have discovered about people's political practices yep. and, and the FISA court abuse, et cetera, et cetera, do you think that comes into the, uh, focus by the country as well? Don't you think it has to? Sure. It we, has to because, I mean, look, the irregularities in this inquiry from the outset are, are breathtaking. I mean, you could start with the dossier and Chris Steele, and then you got Bruce Orr, who's now, you know, testified before the committee. And his wife worked for Fusion GPS, who worked with Chris Steele to put together the fake dossier that was used at the basis of then getting a FISA warrant, which was then used to, you know, surveil Americans, which then you had the report that was used to do that, was being then disseminated among the FBI, including to Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, and you have their whole dialogue back and forth. So the irregularities here, you know, the insurance policies, the Andy McCabe story, the James Comey leaking uh, his information to the uh, friend of his so that a special counsel would be reported, and lo and behold, a special counsel was appointed. All of, so appointed, all of that points to uh, regular uh, irregularities in this inquiry. Now, having also said that, let me say something I think that's also relevant here, and that is – if you look at the nature and scope of what has taken place, I think it's, that part is unprecedented. We've never had 
a situation to this extent where the investigators need to be investigated. Uh, and, and, they, and some of them are. I mean, the fact of the matter is we know that. The Inspector General's Office, uh, the Office of Professional Responsibility within the Justice Department are looking at those issues. But how can you not? You can't ignore it. Yeah. I mean, so the, this, this idea, and you, anybody can hold whatever political positions or advocate any position they want, but that doesn't mean you get to be the, the, the decision maker on a, on a Can I ask a, an unrelated question then? Investigation. Yeah. What does it take to ever hear from the FISA court judges themselves? We, nobody's ever heard from them. You don't. I mean, that's the idea of the FISA. Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court uh, is not designed to engage the public. They're in, in, engaging in counterintelligence matters as the judicial review branch, uh, but they don't. But I'm sure those judges are not happy about what's happened here. Would it? Would I mean, Congress have there. the authority, checks and balances, co-equal branches, sure. to bring them in yep. and, I mean, and ask we, them? Yep. Yeah. They. I mean, they are not immune from uh, congressional oversight, except they're an independent branch, so you have to respect separation of powers. Uh, it's the control. The purse is what the Congress really controls, uh, not so much their. They, can, they don't control their opinions. But I think, look, all yeah. the issues that you've been raising over the last year and a half are significant. They're real. Uh, there's concern. I mean, I know there's a, a move for declassification of some uh, documents that members of Congress want to, to get some more specificity uh, on some of these uh, in FISA issues. I think all look the unmasking. I think all this is real. I think the, the problem here is we, we got a you got a political. A culture right now that there, there's no middle ground on anything. Everything is, you know, to the extremes. And I think when you have this kind of situation, as we do now, that what we have to do as the lawyers for the president is analyze the law and the facts and point out those issues which we think warrant review, like the irregularities, and, and make sure that those are also at the forefront of this as, as this matter moves forward. I right, take a quick break here. We'll come back. Uh, Jay Sekulow, Chief Counsel, American Center for Law and Justice, uh, about the Kavanaugh hearings as we continue. All right, we continue more with Jay Sekulow. He is the Chief Counsel for the American Center for Law and Justice, also Counsel to the President. Let me go back to the Supreme Court. Who are the toughest yep. Supreme Court justices you argued in front of and why? Well, you know, interestingly, as Justice said, I think, ruled with me every time, but he always asked very deep and penetrating questions, and that was uh, Justice Scalia. Uh, yeah. He asked really tough questions no matter what side you were on, and uh, that was just the nature of how he did it. And I'll tell you who else was tough, uh, which was his closest friend on the court, Justice Ginsburg. Uh, and, and they were very close uh, personal friends, And um, but I had appeared before Justice Ginsburg for two decades, and she could ask penetrating questions. The, but there was always a sense that when, you know, there are justices also that would ask uh, really nice questions, but were really tough. John Paul Stevens was one of the nicest guys you ever met. But, boy, he could give – I was a bit of a boxer, you know, in school. And he could, uh, he could give you a left hook. If he ever started a question with, these, with this word, supposing, that's what he would say. Suppose, Mr. Seculo, supposing such and such and such. Whenever he did that, look out. Yeah. <laughs> that left hook was out there. You better have your hands up. You know, the funny thing is, and, and somebody that I've really come to know and admire on the court and, and has really been incredible as a, as a Supreme Court justice is Thomas. He rarely talks yeah. during any of these hearings. He, he listens. Uh, he, I mean, I've had a, a couple cases where he's asked a question or two. He's not big on asking questions. There have been other justices in our history that have been the same. Uh, but I will tell you this, that um, he is probably one of the – I think he's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and the and brilliant honestly, writer, brilliant an analysis. Yeah, um, it's amazing. Great judge, great lawyer. 
All right, Jay Sekulow, American Center for Law and Justice and uh, counsel to the president. Thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you on TV tonight. John, all set against the backdrop of these midterms, just several weeks away right now. And our poll shows Democrats go into these midterms with a huge advantage. Now, George, it's just one poll. But if these numbers hold, this is a disaster for Republicans. Look at this, a 14-point advantage in terms of who people say they will vote for in their congressional district. 14-point advantage for the Democrats. But also, more troublesome for Republicans. Democrats are more enthusiastic, say they are more likely to vote, and independent voters are fleeing Republicans in droves. And and, and just to put that number in context, when Republicans won dozens of House seats in 2010, Democrats in 2006, their advantages were far lower than this. In every one of those swing elections, last swing elections, the advantage was less for the party that won. All right, uh, 25 now till the top of the hour. Glad you are with us. Yeah, George Stephanopoulos would love for that blue wave to be exactly the way he wants it. It's 63 days till the all-important midterm elections. And, you know, lo and behold, I actually agree for a minute with Joe Biden. What's at stake for the Democrats? Everything. What's at stake for the Republicans? Everything. There's a lot at stake here because, as I've been telling you, this midterm election, it's about really very simple but profound things. The Democrats... They want to impeach the president. They're just trying to be quiet about it. But that they're absolutely giddy at the thought that they can impeach the president. Second thing is they want their crumbs back. They referred to the tax cuts as crumbs. Interestingly, they want the crumbs back. They can't leave the crumbs on the table for the mere mortals, the citizenry that we are. They think they're more important. They want open borders. They want to eliminate ICE. They want to keep Obamacare. And I guarantee you it'll be endless investigations, all Trump, all the time, leading into 2020. Nothing is on an agenda that will benefit the American people. Nothing. I mean, you have a a radical Florida Democrat, thanks pro-impeachment billionaires for funding his gubernatorial run, the guy that is running Mayor uh, Andrew Gillum of Tallahassee. You know, he had a tough time raising any money from within the state, but don't worry, he actually was on Meet the Press, and he thanked people like left-wing billionaires like George Soros and Tom Steyer for their money, and he's deeply appreciative of uh, their money. Well, is it, what's more important here, the people of Florida or billionaires that have radical left-wing views? It's unbelievable. Now, there was a story on Breitbart over the weekend that apparently Nancy Pelosi was out at a big soiree in the Hamptons on Long Island, and uh, she's already plotting exactly what she intends to do uh, should the House majority swing to the Democrats in November instead of focusing on the needs of the American people. She was spotted with Chuck uh, Schumer at a glorious gathering Labor Day weekend. East Hampton, hosted by the Discovery CEO, and per playbook, in Politico's playbook email, Pelosi and Schumer were hardly the only leftist stars there. Let's see, Oprah Winfrey was there, Katie Couric was there, George Stephanopoulos was there, Savannah Guthrie was there, Joy Behar were there. Amazing. I live in Long Island, and I never got an invite. I'm shocked. Anyway, one of the uh, people that we really want to see reelected, who's done an amazing job, is Dave Bratt of Virginia, And, of course, he's being targeted because they can't stand anybody within the Freedom Caucus, the people that actually gets things done and keep their promises to the American people. How are you, sir? Yay, Sean. Great setup. You hit it out of the park. And and you're right. I'm getting hit. The Washington Post, New York Times last Friday. Good morning, America is down with my opponent right now. And uh, as people zoom in, uh, they're going to see what you just said, right? We got 4.7% economic growth coming up next quarter, according to the Atlanta Fed. Uh, My opponent was pushing a $32 trillion end Medicare, as you know it, program, along with Senator Elizabeth Warren and Bernie, until she found out it cost $32 trillion. And my local paper said, you know, 
order to pay for that, you'd have to double the personal rates and double the corporate rate. Plus, she wants open borders in favor of sanctuary cities. And so the folks are paying attention. And this is fairly representative of all the Democrats across the country, along with everything you just set up. And so now people are going to focus and uh, we got to work hard. There's no doubt about it. There is still a blue wave out there, but we can beat it uh, with just good common sense policy. Look, there's 63 days. I I think one of the challenges the president has, and I think that the electorate doesn't historically pay a lot of attention to midterm elections. And I think the Democrats, they've done a pretty good job of of holding back some of their representatives that really only want to run on impeachment. But they they don't have an agenda short of what I said about eliminating ICE, open borders, keeping Obamacare, getting their crumbs back. But impeaching the president is at the top of the list. Uh, What do you think the odds are that that would be their real agenda? No, I think it would be their agenda. And and my uh, opponent, Spamberger, was... Uh, CIA, et cetera, and it's just running on that, but it won't list any agenda item. She's promised not to vote for Pelosi, uh, but I asked the question of, of them. I said, is that because Pelosi's too conservative, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what people are missing. Every other person they want for speaker is further to the left than Nancy Pelosi, and the head of financial services will be Maxine Waters. And that's just one committee. And you can go down all the committee chair, men and women, and see what is in store for our economy if they ever got a hold of power Uh, The economic growth is gone. The jobs are gone. The low unemployment rates for African-Americans and Hispanics, gone. All the progress, gone. And so we got to keep it. Everybody out there listening, make sure you dig in and help every one of your candidates out. You know, I guess, and the other problem is, look, short of the Freedom uh, Caucus, I'm not exactly that enthusiastic about a lot of these Republicans. I think a lot of them have been weak and ineffective and fairly lacking in a spine and courage and not willing to keep their promises. We learned that during the health care debacle. I mean, seven and a half years, they promised to repeal and replace. Then we find out that a number of them never had any intention to do that because it was too tough politically. But you're right. We've got, what, 14 states with record low unemployment. We've got an 18-year high of consumer confidence, 51-year low in youth unemployment, record low unemployment for women, African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Asian-Americans. And we see 4 million jobs have been created in the U.S., 2 million fewer people on food stamps in the U.S., and we have you know a million fewer people in poverty. Now, that's pretty good for less than two years on the job. I don't know why people would want to go back. Yeah, well, right. And the, the part of the problem is you're one of the few people that lays out that positive case and record. The rest of the mainstream media. No, I actually think I'm like the only one, but who's counting? I think I, I know. I know. I watch you. Believe me. And thank God uh, we got a few people that put out the truth. You and uh, a, a few others. But the mainstream media were fighting against their narrative that, you know, this was the growth was going to be one time. It won't last. All the benefits were going to go to stock buybacks. That's not true. Capital investment. Right. I did a Ph.D. in economics. Investment in capital is the main driver of economic growth. And that's going through the roof way higher than any stock buybacks. All the evidence is very clear on that. And then two weeks ago, my opponent said, well, that huge growth isn't the kitchen table issue. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? What about when 100 million Walmart shoppers have record retail sales? I'd call Walmart shoppers kitchen table. Right? Uh, so, no, I mean, the good news is just all over. No, no, no. You're forgetting. Everybody that goes to Walmart, we are smelly Walmart voters. We cling to our God, guns, Bibles, and religion, and we're irredeemable deplorables. It's amazing <laughs> what you learn about these elites and what they think about real Americans every day that work hard, play by the rules, pay their taxes, obey the laws, and make this country a better place every day. Uh, we see the uh, elitism on display often. 
What did you think of the uh, Kavanaugh hearings today? Well, I'm on my way back up to the swamp today, so I've been missing it. I've been hearing the little clips here and there, but uh, he's just phenomenally qualified, yeah. uh, rational, you know, I mean, all the right degrees. Uh, past Democrat Supreme Court nominees hired him. I mean, I don't know how you get a better resume than that uh, for, the, for the slot. So it's just pure politics, unfortunately. Well, I'm going to be lucky and fortunate enough. We're going to do a town hall together, and I don't know if it's invitation only or what, but uh, I know that I've agreed to do a town hall with you on the issues of the day on September the 24th. And, uh, you know, I love, I've love i done a few of these. I was down doing some in Florida with Ron DeSantis and our friend Matt Gates, who's also a part of the Freedom Caucus. And, uh, you know, there's so many issues that are facing the American people this time. I, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be in 20 days from now. Yeah, well, I'm excited for it, and thank you for doing it. That's the one way we have to overshoot and go directly to the people. Some of us don't have, you know, 40 million tweets like you do and followers. And so this well, is I don't have quite 40 million, but, I mean, we do have a pretty good <laughs> social media presence. That's right. You know, it's a little right. less than it used to be because I took Twitter off my phone so I don't tweet out at 3 in the morning um, because I just found myself it became another full-time job. I enjoyed it for a while, and then it just becomes a chore. Right. No, I know. And that's what it's we, we just need uh, folks that can spread the word. Our, our local papers won't cover any of the good news. They won't cover any of the bills I had. My local paper, when I had a bill that reunited parents and kids, they ignored my bill and instead wrote a piece how I'm separating. Right. Uh, parents and kids. And so it's just hard to get a, a break from your local papers uh, who just lean left in their coverage. And so we got to get the truth out somehow. So thanks for helping me do it. All right, I look forward to seeing you. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll see Dave Brad on the uh, 24th. We're doing a town hall together. And, you know, we do this occasionally with people that we like, and we talk about the issues of the day. There's a lot leading up to this midterm election. We are 63 days away. It's the most important midterm in our life. People tend to stay home for midterms, but you need to know what's at stake. And there's a lot riding on all of this. All right, let's get to our busy uh, telephones. We shall say hi to Jim as in... Smith Mountain Lake, Virginia. How are you, sir? Welcome to the program. I'm, I'm doing very well. Thank you. I uh, just wanted to mention thank you for all of the revealing of all the many problems that are uh, that are being unaddressed through legal terms and uh, investigations that should be. But I, I wanted to bring up the topic about the the four different FISA judges that uh, have been discussed, but I've never heard anyone on any of the networks or even any of your guests talk about the possibility that these judges could be part of the deep state or they could be liberal just like the what the ninth ninth district judges so therefore why would they be why would those judges be concerned about talking about the fact well, that the they thing were being is, misled you you got to remember the judges normally are, you know especially FISA judges you know this is supposed to be a secret court for Absolutely. them to reveal how they feel they're going to have to be at some point subpoenaed at some point, they're going to be asked directly whether or not they feel that they were misled and a fraud was committed on their court. Now, the one thing that I know about judges in the course of my life, not that I've spent a lot of time, thankfully, before them, but uh, I know enough about the law and I have enough friends that are lawyers. I've interviewed enough judges and lawyers over the years to know that if you go into a courtroom, you better say, yes, your honor, no, your honor, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. No, ma'am. And you better respect the court, because if you don't, it's not going to end well for you. The other thing that I've kind of learned, it's like paying your taxes. You better pay your taxes. You don't pay your taxes. You think you're going to get away with it. You're going to get caught. And it could be, you know, Paul Manafort bad for you. 
Don't lie on bank loan applications. Another bit of advice. We haven't learned anything about Russia or collusion, but that's what I learned. But the same with judges. Judges don't like being lied to. And I've got to imagine these judges are pretty pissed off. And that at some point, how they feel is going to be released. That's what I'm guessing. What do you think? And I and I hope so. I hope it. I hope it's all revealed. My concern is is that they could be just as much a part of the problem as some of the other judges that are across the country that are doing everything everything they can to uh, to fight against uh, every action that Trump has tried to do. Listen, and this is why I think the election is important. We better stay the course because if we don't stay the course, then we're absolutely positively going to get the results we deserve. Look, elections have consequences. Donald Trump winning. Well, if Hillary had won, this uh, Supreme Court hearing today would be all about whoever she chose to be on the court. And it wouldn't be Brett Kavanaugh. Well, the same thing as it relates to Donald Trump. I think this is so much more about him than it is about the people that are representatives to Congress. And some of them, I know some people are like, I'm not going out for this congressman or woman. They're weak. They're pathetic. And, well, the answer is then you're going to get the Democrat that's going to impeach that wants to eliminate ICE, keep Obamacare, get their crumbs back. That's what you're going to get. And it's very predictable. We've not been wrong on politics so far as it relates to any of what the Democrats like to do when they're in power. Anyway, Jim, good call. Appreciate it. Thank you for being with us. Uh, let's go to uh, Nancy is in Clearwater, Florida, Tampa, uh, WFLA. How are you? Good, Sean. How are you? I'm good. Happy. I hope you had a great I'm weekend. Traveling back from Tampa to my new home in Atlanta. So oh, uh, good for you. But I, I really have an important question for you, and maybe you and Sarah Carter can look into this. Okay. But I would love for Trump to, and I know he listens to this show, for him to decide to um, remove all the uh, the coiture on the sexual harassment suits that were filed against congressmen. Yeah, I'd like an answer to that, too. I think one of the reasons, this is important because over, what, $14 million have been paid out in settlements. Now, sometimes a settlement doesn't mean a person's guilty, but you settle because you make a case go away for whatever reason. It's convenient. It's cheaper. I mean, these things happen pretty much sadly every day. Well, that 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 publicity came out right as right. Sessions decided to recuse himself. And I got a funny feeling he's going to be swept up in this. Well, I will tell you this. If these congressmen, if they want to come to a settlement with people that are making allegations against them, even if they know it's wrong and it is wrong, they can't be using taxpayer money to pay their settlements. It's got to come out of their own pocket. And those people that did use taxpayers money, well, the taxpayers have a right to know. And whoever did needs to, we need to know who they are. I totally agree with you. Anyway, have a safe trip. You're going to love Atlanta, my uh, former hometown for a number of years. I love the city of Atlanta, um, and it's a great town, great people. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. The chaotic plan chaos at the Kavanaugh hearings. We'll get to that. The biggest development yet in the Bruce Orr and Deep State saga Now it's connected to the Mueller team. We've got full coverage. Jay Sekulow, Alan Dershowitz, Andy McCarthy, uh, Greg Jarrett, Dan Bongino, Sebastian Gorka, and Jason Chaffetz. It's all coming up on Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. See you tonight at 9. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette. 
Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. The world is becoming more and more unstable by the day, and many Americans are not waiting around to find out how bad it could get. They're making the decision to diversify their wealth with precious metals like gold and silver, and they're turning to the top-rated precious metals company, GoldCo. Right now, GoldCo is offering up to $10,000 in bonus silver while supplies last. Go to HannityGold.com to learn more. That's HannityGold.com. You know, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, they support America's greatest heroes, U.S. service members and first responders that die or are catastrophically injured in the line of duty, and they help our homeless vets as well. Now, these are the heroes that we all owe a debt of gratitude to. Now, the Foundation's Gold Star, their fallen first responders, smart home, homeless veteran programs honor the sacrifices made for us by the men and women that risk their lives and their bodies for our country and our communities. Now, the Foundation's Never Forget programs, they engage people in 9-11 remembrances all across the country with over 80 runs and walks and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings and barbecues. They have their Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute to educate our kids, K-12, through about America's darkest day, all while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget. Anyway, we hope you'll join all of us here at Team Hannity and commit to 11 bucks a month so they can continue this great work. Go to their website, the letter T, the number 2, the letter T.org. The letter T, the number 2, the letter T.org. 